All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. You're listening to Dropping the Gloves with former NHL All-Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. everybody welcome to a monday episode of dropping the gloves thank you everybody for joining us we are the official podcast of hockeyfights.com again thanks for all for joining us tim you know what i was thinking we got to talk to the hockey fights guys about i want to get new jerseys for my my men's league team and i want to get a sponsor for it so i don't want to pay for it so we got to <laughs> figure out a way to get hockey fights to pay for my men's league team's jerseys because right now we're a hodgepodge we have like four or five different you know white jerseys and i i, I like some continuity i think it, it means a lot when you look good look good feel good play good that's the old model that everybody says so i uh i don't know remind me to talk to those guys about that later is there much fighting going on in your games no it's it's tame it, it, it's calmed down but it's still early there's a couple new teams that are very young and they're very eager we played last night we won again i'm undefeated just on a roll Playing, playing well, the starting to feel the age, you know, um, first period is a total write off for me. I'm so bad in the first. And then once I hit my stride in the second and third, I just, I, I assert my dominance, you could say, and we play well in the second and third. Well, it's probably funny because guys that are just seeing you play for the first time are like, oh yeah, John actually is a total plug. Like what a loser. And then, <clears throat> then you step up. I, yes, it, it I bet you that's what's going through the head. Cause man, I, the, the hips and the knees, they don't just get lubricated like they used to. They need a little bit of uh, love and care. And so it, it takes a good 20 minutes from, cause I don't do warm ups. By the time I hit the ice, the game's already started. Cause I just, I just get there too late. And so that might be my issue, but yeah, it's been fun. Um, I think we're second or third place right now. Six team league. Uh, the one guy, we played a team last night. It was pretty good. I think they beat us the first game. I wasn't there, obviously. But um, he's got a tinted visor. He thinks he's the man. And for whatever reason, I matched up against him every time he was on the ice. Every single time. Like, he stepped on the ice. I stepped on the ice. They must have had two lines. We only had four defensemen. And I, I made it my mission to just completely ruin this guy's night. And by the end of the night, by the third period, Breaking his stick on the ice, smashing the boards, slamming the boards door when he closes it. Game's over, walks into his dressing room, rips the door open, slams it shut. Like just 
I was in his kitchen, like just lounging, like as, as just as relaxed as I could be. And, you know, he was probably a really good high school player. And, you know, he thinks he's just, you know, the cat's meow. And I just made it my personal mission to just ruin this guy's night. And I succeeded. I over and beyond succeeded ruining this guy's night to the point where he broke his stick when sticks aren't free nowadays. So it was really funny. <laughs> and then I like giving him the little comments, you know, I'm like, this, this is probably a penalty right now. I'm just going to interfere. And then, you know, I'm like, Oh, uh, not a good move there. Oh, almost got it across the blue line. Like, you know, like little jabs here and there. And he just, he lost his mind by the third period. I kind of felt bad for him. But I was going to ask, was there any chirping going on or any, uh, Lip talk. Not from him. He was smaller, like a smaller tint advisor does it for me every time. Unless you have a like a legit damaged retina and you need to have a tint advisor or you have concussion issues. There's no reason to wear a tint advisor other than you're just showtime and you want to and you want to be Alexander Ovechkin. Who was there? Who had the most tint advisor in the NHL ever of all time? Was that Manny Maholtra because it's all eye issue and stuff? Maybe I, I don't that's know that. Good, that's a good quiz. Who's who's had the most tinted visors of all time? Because there's some that are like mirrored out. I don't. Know. I just think of Ovi. Obviously, didn't Hossa yeah. have one too? Haas did for a while. I call him Haas. Yeah, you can. You guys are close friends. I want to get him on the show. He just got inducted into the Hall of Fame, and I was talking to a guy <clears throat> that I know who is close with Haas as well. And we we're just reminiscing about how great of a guy he is. <laughs> And he's just, you know, Hall of Famer through and through. Only guy in NHL history to go to three straight Stanley Cup Game 7s. It's a pretty cool stat for three different teams. Like, that's a pretty neat stat to go to three consecutive Stanley Cup finals with three different teams. Lose the first two, win the third. Yeah. You're thinking who the teams were? No, I, I don't think I think I don't think they were all game sevens. I don't think they were game sevens either, but three consecutive Stanley Cup finals. I corrected myself. Speaking yep. of corrections, uh, I do have a correction to make. So we've been really ripping on the Pacific Division lately. Me, me personally, just talking about how they're the worst division in the league, how they it, it's it's just a, they're the Canadian division this year in the NHL, Calgary, Edmonton, Anaheim, Vegas, LA, San Jose, Vancouver, Seattle. Apparently, I, I was a little wrong, and I got called out by one of our followers. What's his name, Tim? Sammy. Shout out to Sammy. Sammy the Bull. You know who that is, Sammy the Bull? Nope. Neither do I. But the name is, I, I thought since you were from Southie, you would know, because I, I think he's a gangster. Uh, not from Southie. That was Whitey, Bulger. Yes. Yep. He's he's a selfie gangster. Anyways, so Sammy um, tweeted at me. He said, in the last month, the Pacific Division is 44, 36, and 9 against out-of-division out of teams. The Central Division is 32, 27, and 6. The Atlantic is 24, 30, and 4. And the Metro is 46, 26, and 13. Enough of this, the Pacific is weak stuff. I don't understand how the numbers work. In this regard, only the Atlantic has a losing record, and they're only six games under 500. Every other division is over 500, and they're well over 500. The Pacific Division is eight games over 500. The Metro Division is 20 games over 500, and the Central Division is five games over 500. I don't know how math works. 
Because it's all the overtime losses. Look at it. It's nine, four, six, and 13. That's like 20 games right there. I just don't like it. It doesn't, it does, my brain doesn't compute it. And so I'm just looking at it like, okay, something's wrong here, but I'm sure Sammy is very good at math and he probably pulled this from some somewhere, but I'll, I'll take him for what it's worth. Everything on the internet is true. So I apologize. You know, when, when I just do the first glance t- uh, test, when I look at the teams on paper, I, I watch the games. I'm, I'm a student of the game. Always have been, always will be. Um, the Pacific Division doesn't look as strong as the other divisions, but I don't take into account how bad the Atlantic is. You know, y- you get tunnel vision when you look at that division. You look at, oh, Florida's playing really well. Toronto has been coming on. They've been playing really, really strong. And then there's the always strong Tampa Bay. And then you just assume that Boston is this good team because there's always the Bruins. They're always around. And then you have Detroit, who's a feel-good story because, you know, they have no business being where they're at right now in fourth place in the Atlantic. So, But then when you look at the bottom three, it's like, well, Montreal was supposed to be good. They're not good anymore. Buffalo and Ottawa are just – has there been two worst teams in the last 10 years? I guess Ottawa had a little bit of a sniff of a good team a few years back, but has there been a worse team in all professional sports than the Buffalo Sabres in the last 10 years? In all professional sports. Uh, I'd be hard-pressed to think of one. It's really amazing how they've just put on a clinic of being terrible for 10 straight years, and I was a part of that. <laughs> so, like, I, I feel the pain, but a literal, like, the definition of failure for 10 straight years, and that's not supposed to happen in this age of salary cap and everybody's competitive and, you know, we there, there's no edge. Everybody, the, the worst place team gets the highest draft pick, this and that. There's parity all over the place. How is it possible that a team can literally be that bad for 10 years, Tim? How is it possible? Break it down for me. I'm a Buffalo insider. You're not. Tell me why Buffalo is doing so bad and why why they can't succeed. This is totally not on the agenda, everybody. We're, we're going off topic here. I'm just I just thought of them like they've been bad for over a decade. They have not had one good year. Maybe 2010, 11, 11, 12, they were competitive. Maybe. But yeah, how, how can you be that bad, Tim? Tell me quick. I mean, ownership is mostly to blame. That's some bad luck, some contract that you thought would have been good. Like you sign Taylor Hall, you expect certain things. You you draft Jack Eichel, you expect certain things. Even Jeff Skinner, I mean, he has like the worst contract in hockey now, but he had a great season the year before um, he signed that deal. So it's just, he hasn't given him anything close to that in Buffalo. So it's just, it's surprising. It is a little surprising. I think the draft has a lot to do with it. When you look back at Buffalo's drafts, they, there's not one noticeable player who's been a lights out superstar. And when you select that high every single year, literally in the lottery for the last few years, and you can't come away with one player who's moving the needle, who's making an impact on a night in night out basis. Yes. Darlene's a good player. He he's not striking fear in the opponent's eyes. No one's game planning against Darlene. Reinhardt never panned out. None of these first rounders seem to really work out the way the Sabres wanted them to. And then you make questionable signings like a Kyle Ocposo making $6 million for the amount of term that they got him for. That's questionable. Jeff Skinner. It, it just, I don't know. Yes, you're, you're absolutely right. It starts from the top down. I think Terry Pagula thought he could come in. <clears throat> I was there when he took over ownership. I think he thought he could just throw a bag of cash at it and win a Stanley cup. And that's, that's just all it took, but it, 
there's a lot more that goes into it. And I, th- I think he has proven the fact that you need good hockey minds to guide your team and to take it from something that was okay when Terry took over to, to over the top successful, like a c- consistent contender and Buffalo just still hasn't figured it out. They really haven't. I don't know if they will. I don't know if the current, you know, GM president situation is going to work. I know Kevin, great guy. I see him plenty of times in Buffalo, but I, I don't, I don't know. We'll see. What if Buffalo had won the 2015 draft lottery? How would that have changed things? Didn't we have a voicemail about that? We do. I'd love to play it for you. So this is, we've been promoting the voicemails, but we haven't really been sharing them that much and we need to be. Um, and it's funny because we'll get, we get a good amount of them, but it's always like, they're like three, four minutes long. It's just too long to play. Um, but here, I'm going to pull up the, uh, the voicemail from a listener who's asking about basically what if um, Buffalo had won that draft lottery? They drafted McDavid's here. Let me play this for you. Hey, this is Ryan from Buffalo. Just had a, had a curiosity here. What do you think would have happened if the Sabres actually drafted uh, McDavid as opposed to Eichel? Where would their careers be if they were, let's say, swapped? Eichel was picked up by the Oilers. And McDavid had to, uh, you know, suffer in Buffalo. Do you think the franchise would be changed, or you, the players, would be changed? Thanks. Love the show. Loves the show, Tim. That's great. Um, that's an interesting question because when you, when you look at the roster that McDavid jumped into, he had a pretty good su- supporting cast to support him. When you look at the roster that Jack Eichel walked into. It was not it was not a good roster. Yes, they had Ryan O'Reilly. He was a good player. Sam Reinhart was still young. Other than that, you had a Vander Kane, I guess. They brought in Brian Giant to to kind of be a veteran influence, but you had no you had nobody to ride shotgun with Jack Eichel. Ryan O'Reilly was a centerman, so you weren't going to take him. He was arguably one of the best two way centermen in the league at that time. He still is. So it, it was a bottleneck at center because you wanted Sam Reinhardt to be a centerman too. That's what you drafted him as, drafted him to be. And it it just didn't seem to fit. It didn't seem to fit. And I don't know if there would have been anything different if you would have put Connor McDavid in that situation. Yes, he probably would have had more individual points and he would have played better just because he is a tremendous player. But I, I can't see... Do you see McDavid coming to Buffalo and really turning around the Sabres franchise? I don't see that happening. I really don't because he hasn't done it in Edmonton. He hasn't yeah, really made. Think about what, how much better the, the Sabres could have been if Eichel was A, healthy, and B, playing the way that he's capable of. Now elevate that even further to McDavid, who's obviously a much better player than Eichel. You don't think that they, they're they a winning team at this point? You don't think six years later that they might have gone on a run or might have brought in more players that didn't really swing and miss the same way that the Oilers did with certain players and wasted a lot of his prime, his best years, not making the playoffs? I, I don't think it changes the Sabres' trajectory at all. I, I think it's it's a big tip upward for skill as far as you look at Eichel and McDavid. It's a big gap, but it's not like the Sabres didn't try. You know, they went out and they tried to sign talented guys every single year. When you look at who they brought in from the time they got Eichel until now, they were active, they were aggressive, they went out, they spent money. It's not like they sat on their hands and just tried to, you know, wait it out and play the way to game. They wanted to win. 
and it just didn't work out. They, they threw money at, like you said, Hall and Skinner and Stahl, and they, they had O'Reilly traded him. They, they tried to make it work, and it just didn't work. And I'm not saying Edmonton is light years ahead of Buffalo, but they already had a, a group of young players there that, could, that McDavid could grow with. They had already won the lottery before. They had a couple first overall picks already. They had like, and I, Yakupov was already there. I'm not saying he's a great player, but when you look at their team, they had Taylor Hall already, Dryan Seidel, Jordan Eberle, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Nail Yakupov, Pat Maroon was there. They had the pieces there for a really good, successful team, and they were all young. They were all, gosh, I want to say 20, 22, 23 years old. And so you add McDavid to that group and they all just grew together and they haven't had the success yet. I think that they will hopefully, but yeah, I do think if you put Eichel in Edmonton, he's a much better player than he is right now. I think his value skyrockets. If you put him in Edmonton and you let him play with Taylor Hall, that's an exciting line and put Jordan Ebley on the right side or whoever else is on the, whoever else they had on the wing to play on the other side and a Yakupov. That's a pretty exciting first line. So, you know, hindsight's 2020 would have been exciting to see Eichel play with some talent because like if you're playing with a Vander Kane and Brian Gianta or whoever his wingers were the first year, that's a far cry from Taylor Hall or Giant Seidel or the Nuge or the, these players who are very high, high skill players. So, yes, Connor McDavid is fantastic. He's the best player on the planet. He did step into a pretty good situation at Edmonton. He really did. It, it was primed for success for him. They were an offensive team. They didn't care about defense at all. They just wanted to run and gun. And that's what he stepped into. Whereas Eichel stepped into a situation that was already broken, no signs of any like help on the way he was the guy and it just didn't work. So, yeah, I don't know what the question was. I think they would have had similar trajectories and they would have ended up in the same place. Buffalo would still be where it's at because you can't fix like bad management. You know what I mean? It just doesn't work. Eichel doesn't come in there or McDavid won't go to Buffalo and all of a sudden fix the whole team and fix the whole mindset of the owner, the GM, the president, everything. I think it, they still would have ended up where they are right now. Maybe, McDavid would have signed long-term and been happy and not slipped a disc like Eichel did, but it's uh, it's always fun to play what if, because I think Eichel would have been really good in Edmonton. <clears throat> and who knows? He might end up there one day. You never know. But yeah, good question. Good voicemail. Thank you. Can we play another one too? I want to play one yeah, more. Let's do one. Um, which is fun. And again, we, we, get a, we get these from time to time. We get a whole bunch. We haven't really played them, but a lot of times they're too long. Um, we, we just can't play a voicemail that's like two or three minutes long. Um, here's another one, though. Hey, Tim and John. My name is Connor from New York. Uh, cool concept for you when it comes to contracts. Uh, one thing we see, especially with Toronto, is the percentage of cap space used by X amount of players. And my thought was, what if GMs could use that as a tool to sign players for less money with increasing cap amounts? future. So if somebody locks in at a 10% cap hit for their team, if the cap keeps going up, they can then get a raise in their salary. So if it goes from $85 million to $86 million, they go from $8.5 million a year to $8.6 million a year. Just a thought would be cool. Uh, have a good one, guys. Enjoy the show. 
Hmm. Interesting. Um, I don't know if that would work, Connor. No, I, it would. It would be all for the players. The players get all the benefit of that. There's no way the owners would go for it. Not a chance in the world because the players would go for it. Absolutely. If your salary increases every single year, that'd be fantastic because there's only one time ever in the history of hockey where the salaries have gone back. And that's because of COVID, you know, we they obviously did the rollback, but the cap didn't go back in 2004 when they had the lockout, they just chopped 25% off of everybody's salary. But I don't like, I, I don't see how this works or makes sense because of the salary cap raises, you still don't have more money to spend if you're an owner or a GM because everybody who have already signed their salary cap raises. So you still have the same amount of money to spend. So I don't know how this works. Do you understand that? I do. And I actually went a different direction when I heard it. Um, Cause I was thinking, Oh, there's no way the owners or the, the owners would go for it because they, I know. I mean the players, sorry, you said no, you said the owners wouldn't go for it. I thought the players wouldn't go for it because now like the owners have the ability to manipulate the salary cap and control the player's salary. Or what if it doesn't grow? What if it stays flat? Or what if it even starts to go down? It's out of the player's hands other than whatever the NHLPA can do. And then they can basically say like, your salary is not going up. We're keeping it at 82 for the next five years or locking that in. And you, the, the opportunity that the players had to potentially grow was taken away by the, the business savvy owners. He, yeah, if, if the flat stays cap, it's just exactly what the system is now, where you sign a salary for $1 million a year and you get it for $1 million for 10 years. But uh, yeah. I, I don't know why. And yeah, you, you can't it, you can't just all of a sudden have a flat cap always. The players have to agree to it. Like the players are the one who initiate the cap increase. It's not the owners. So the players control that. Every season at the end of the year, it's up to the players if they want to increase the cap by 5% or not. So the owners don't have a say in that. So they would have to negotiate some kind of uh, new thing in the CBA. But um, interesting idea, Connor, respectfully. I, I just don't think it works. You know, I, I don't know why the owners would go for it. I think the players would. Like I said, your, your, your salary is increasing every single year. That'd be fantastic. Grows with inflation. That'd be terrific. But I, I don't I don't see how it makes sense. But, I mean, you know, I, it's always room for improvement. We can, we can work with it, Connor, you know. Good question. I like that. What's the number for voicemails to if people want to call in? We have a lot, but we, we kind of sift through and pick the best ones. Yeah. Call us 617-657-4723. It's a Google voicemail. So you have to leave your name and then just leave a message like you would normally. If you do want to call in, please keep it short, 15 or 30 seconds. Uh, we just won't be able to play the long ones. And we, we do get a bunch of those. And then how much do they have to pay? Uh, just then me like $25 and and you, you'll get on the show. If you want to go. Fair. Venmo Tim. Yeah. It's um, at Tim W. Right, Tim? Is that your Venmo? Forward slash dropping the gloves. Nice. I love it. You know who was making a bunch of phone calls this past week? It was it was a rookie from the Dallas Stars. It was a feel-good story. <clears throat> so this guy, he played in the minors for a few years. Riley Tuft. Tufty? Tufty. Tufty last name. Riley Tufty from the Dallas Stars. He had been a journeyman. Worked his way up. Finally, got called up to the Dallas Stars. About to play in his third game. And it, lo and behold, wouldn't you know, it's in his home state in front of his family, friends, everybody in home state in Minnesota. So the Dallas Stars are about to fly there. He's very excited. What do you do when you're going home? You're new to the NHL. You tell everybody and their brother. You, you're, you're telling your friends. 
all your family members, everybody you'd ever met, all your ex-girlfriends, you're calling them. I'm going to make everybody jealous. He was so excited. He, he was quoted in saying, this is his quote. Somebody asked him how, how it was going to be going back to Minnesota. He's like, yeah, it's pretty crazy. The amount of people that reached out saying they're coming to the game tonight. You might see a couple of Tufty jerseys in the stands. I know there'll be a couple of high school jerseys. I think my brother is wearing my Duluth jersey. Definitely going to have some fans tonight. My son's wearing a Dallas jersey with daddy on the back and 27. Super cool moment for my family and friends and just happy to be there feel good story. You can make a movie out of it. Very touch, you know, heartwarming pulls at your, your strings a little bit, your emotional strings. It's fantastic. I, I, I would love to say that he went out there and scored the game winner played great. You know, got, got the first star skated around the ice Cinderella story. He didn't play in the game, Tim. He was a healthy scratch. Rick bonus for whatever reason, because the Dallas stars apparently are are fighting for a playoff spot right now. They're clawing and scratching. They really need to win this game in Minnesota. And this guy, he has to be a healthy scratch or else they're going to lose. He scratched him a few hours before the game. So he was literally a game time decision. Rick bonus did not even give this guy a heads up on the plane ride to Minnesota. Say, Hey, I'm sorry. We're going to, we're going to give somebody else a look. He let this kid, buy a ton of tickets to the point where he spent all of his money buying tickets, Tim, every cent to the point where he had to ask one of the Bukestead, Nick Bukestead from the Minnesota wild for help buying tickets. And mind you, Bukestead probably didn't buy tickets, but as a home player, you get two free tickets. So Bukes probably got him a couple tickets. So he, he asked the team that he's going to play a player on that team to help him get tickets for all his family and friends, because he probably had 20, 30 people in the stands and Rick Bonus decides to scratch him. How on earth can you not see the writing on the wall if you're Rick Bonus that this is a terrible idea? You know that this kid is from Minnesota. You know that he's probably jacked up to play in this game. He's only played two NHL games. He's going home. It's just a bad look. And now everybody's furious. Did you see this, Tim? What's, what's your reaction to all this? I do. It's so disappointing because I feel like for the most part, hockey does pretty well with those little moments for the rookies, for like when guys' numbers get retired, when they played their last team, you see the handshake line. Like, like um, uh, who did we see? Uh, David Backus last game against the Blues. They remember his number. Or when, when they know they're playing a certain player for the last time, all the veterans on the other team will go line up and shake his hand. You got the, the rookie lap for the night he makes his debut. Like the NHL does a lot of those things really well. The, the game pucks, I always love when they pick up a game puck for a guy's first goal or whatever. So that kind of stuff, like hockey does so well with that. And I feel like <laughs> Rick Bonus is, I'm sure, is no stranger to any of those things. <laughs> and the fact that he can't just like recognize this moment. And like you said, it's not like, like, Tough, Tufty, whatever, however you say it, like he was supposed to play that game. I think he skated pregame warm up or not warm, but the morning skate, like he was, he was on the roster and then he got scratched an hour or two before the game. And you could just imagine how upsetting that was. And, and rightfully so, hockey fans are, are pretty, pretty upset about it. In Rick Bonus's defense, though, the Dallas Stars did go out and they played a pretty good game. Mind you, they only lost seven to two. So, you know, the heart was there. They were hungry to win. And it was a close game. The whole game, you know, Minnesota just got a couple lucky bounces and beat them by five and threw a touchdown up on the board with an extra point. 
it's just boggles my mind that you can be that tone deaf if you're Rick Bonus and just totally miss the mark on something. A guy on the fourth line is not going to make that big of a difference on a game. It, it just it's just a bad look. This could have been a nice situation. It could have been a something that this kid remembers forever, like absolutely forever. I remember the first time I got called up. And it was a pretty wild story, too, where I was in Peoria playing with the Houston Arrows. We just finished a game, and I think I played bad. I think it was minus three. I was like, gosh, what a bad game. Excuse me. And coach calls me into his office, and he said, hey, I I thought I was going to get you know ripped a new one because I didn't play that well. But he's like, hey, Minnesota, someone got injured. We need you to pack your stuff, head to the airport right now. You guys are getting called up. They're playing in Calgary tomorrow. They need you. I was like, fantastic. I'm like, this is unbelievable. They're playing in Calgary, Minnesota Wild, Hockey Night in Canada. It's a Saturday night. Very exciting. Go back into the locker room, super jacked. Tell all the boys you got called up. They're, they're happy for me. Grab my stuff. Go to the airport. I was on the road, so I didn't have a lot of stuff with me. But I, you know, I was like, whatever. I'll, I'll figure it out. Go to the airport. Get my ticket. Jacked up fly to from Peoria to Minnesota. And I was going to take a flight from Minnesota to Calgary. So I'm in there, you know, the wilds home state about to board the plane. And the lady's like, can I see your passport? And I was like, well, I don't have it because I'm Canadian and I'm going to Canada. And I didn't think I needed it or I didn't have it. Cause I was on the road in Peoria. It was a two day road trip and you didn't typically bring a passport. And she's like, well, we need a passport in order for you to board the plane. You're flying international. And I said, well, I'm, I'm Canadian. Like I, I can show you my, my health card, my driver's license, everything here says I'm from Canada. I have Canadian money, everything. You, you can call anybody you want to know. Like I'm on the internet. I'm Canadian. I play for the Minnesota wild. Like I'm calling everybody. I'm calling my agent. I'm talking to the wilds GM, everybody at the gate. And like trying to convince this lady, I'm like, let me on this plane to the point where I had already called my wife and said, can you overnight my passport to Canada? And so she was on her way overnighting the passport to Canada. And I'm telling the agent lady, I'm like, Hey, the passport's already going to be in Canada. Can you just let me on the plane? I'm Canadian. I have my Minnesota wild stuff. Like I'm a hockey player. I'm going to play in the NHL thinking that it would smooth it over because I'm in Minnesota. It's the state of hockey. They love, they love hockey. Nope. I can't do it. Get the supervisor over. I'm starting to get a little heated. I'm like, get, let me, give me, get me on that plane. Like I'm starting to get angry, you know, getting a little flush. The supervisor comes over. like, sorry, man, we can't let you on the plane. And I, I'm just visibly upset to the point where it's like, how do you react? Are you upset? Are you angry? Are you sad? Are you like, there's a ton of emotions. This is my first time being called up. Long story short, no, no, see, long story long. Um, they didn't let me on the plane. I had to call my agent, say, Hank, sorry. Like, I, I, you got to call Chuck Fletcher. You got to tell him I, I can't get on the plane. So he, he calls Fletcher. He's like, John can't get on the plane. I'm thinking I stay in Minnesota, catch him on the back of the road trip. He's like, no, let's tell him to send him back down. We'll call somebody else up. I'm like, then my, my NHL dreams are over. And I, but I had already called on my parents too, you know, from the, from the plane to Peoria to Minnesota. I'm on the phone with my parents. They're like, yep, yeah, we're going to fly to Calgary. We're going to see the first game. So they were already, getting to Calgary. So they wasted a bunch of money getting to Calgary. I had all my family at Edmonton. We all said same kind of deal. Wasn't as, you know, traumatic because I at least gave them 24 hours. Like I'm not playing. I'd make the plane, but it's, it's heartbreaking. So hopefully this kid can make it right. Playing Minnesota someday. And, you know, get, get that moment with his family and son and all, all that good stuff. But gosh, Rick bonus. At least I did it to myself. You know, I did it to huh. myself. I don't know. I what don't- are you gonna- 
I have a question about that. Um, before so, before you made your NHL debut, did you know like you were the guy who's going to get called up if they needed you, or like did you have a conversation with the AHL coach, the NHL coach? Did you know you were on the short list? Like how does how did that all work? You basically no, I did not know to answer that question. <laughs> Nobody knows if they're the next guy to get called up. I, I think you. After training camp, you get a sense of who's the guy who's going to get called up based on when you get cut from training camp. And I was always one of the last guys to be cut. I, I had two training camps with the Minnesota Wild. The first one, I was second or third last cut. The second training camp, I was the last guy cut. And I went into the GM's office and he said, I want to keep you, but we have seven guys on one-way contracts, so I can't. And I was like, that sucks, but thank you for telling me. So I knew I was on you know, the bubble and I was going to be called up soon. But once you get sent down, they call up whoever they need. If a offensive guy goes down, I'm not getting called up and it just, you know, whatever they need, they call up. And I managed to get called up around Christmas time. And I stuck once I got called up, I was there for good, which was great. And I didn't ever go back to Houston, but uh, no, nobody knows. There's not like a list. Cause you see it around the league where guys assume they're going to get called up and they just get passed over time after time. And it's just, it's all mental. It's, it's really, it's really tough. Well, after I didn't get called up from, I had to go back to the hotel. I think they went to Chicago next to play the ice hogs or that was Rockford. They were in Illinois somewhere. I went back and I was hungry. You know, I'd been on the road for a long time. I didn't know what to do. You know what I did? What'd you do? I had to, I had to order food from a restaurant and it was impossible because I didn't have a menu. It was just a joke. It was just all, all over the place. You know what I wish I had, Tim? What do you wish you had, John? <sighs> DoorDash. I wish I had DoorDash. And that's why our listeners, you have a good good chance to get some good food for some good prices right now. The opportunity is there. And I, I hope you use it. Go to DoorDash, fire it up on your app, use your computer, use wherever you can get on the internet, go to DoorDash, enter promo code GlovesDD if you're in Canada, GlovesDDUS if you're in the USA, get yourself some food. You can order whatever you want. You could do it at grocery stores, restaurants, whatever. I'm sure there's gas stations on there now and get yourself some gas, but it's a good company. It works. That's all you need to know. Get food, you pay for it. It's simple, capitalist, beautiful stuff. They bring it right to your door. You can eat food, whatever you want to do at any time of the day. Use DoorDash, enter promo code GlovesDD. If you're in Canada, GlovesDDUS. If you're in the United States, get 25% off your first order and a free delivery, which is pretty much a free meal, which is fantastic. Tell them we sent you. It's good. It helps us out. It helps you out. And it all works, which is great. I wish I'd have had it back then because I was in a bad mood, Tim. Not not happy about not getting uh, getting to go play the Calgary Flames. Speaking of the Calgary Flames, they just worked the Boston Bruins last night. Did you see that? Four nothing. The bo- what is going on in Boston right now? Is everything okay? Because they looked lifeless. Did you catch this game, Tim? I did, and you're right. They did look lifeless. This is this was not a great game for Boston. I think they had. Gosh, I, I don't have. I don't know the actual number, but it felt like they had like ten turnovers every period. Like it was crazy. They were just like, like Marshan, Pasternak, DeBras just giving it away. Especially in the neutral zone. Those flames are so good defensively. We talked about it. The way they play the system. They're so responsible and they're just like they're so like aggressive and in your face. It's hard to get anything going with offensive possession in the neutral zone um and into the zone. So yeah, this is a good team. And interesting too, like going back to the the earlier point about the Pacific division, like we're getting to see the the premier, the number one team in the Pacific right now um, with that win last night, go against a good Bruins team where even though they're only fourth or fifth in the standings, they've played five less games than some of the other teams in their division. They're nine and six. Like 
they're not they're underperforming a little bit, but I'm not worried about them yet. So this is a good Bruins team, but the Flames just worked them. And it, it does go to show that maybe the Pacific's a little better than we thought, and maybe the Atlantic's not quite as good as we thought it was. Well, yeah, and we, we mentioned it earlier. I think <clears throat> the Atlantic, there's really three good teams, maybe four. I, I, the verdict is still out with Boston. And I, and I truly mean that. I, I don't – where I'm a little nervous with Boston is between the pipes. I, I don't think either of those two goalies – Swayman's good. Allmark is good. Are you confident with either one of them at this point, Tim? Um, confident, yeah. Yeah, I like Swayman. He didn't have a good game last night. But, again, you just don't know what you're going to get from either of these guys in the playoff, and that's the part that makes me nervous. Yeah, I agree. I, I like Boston, but the verdict is still up. They have a they have a good team. I think they did a good job this offseason of balancing out their lines. Yes, they have that top heavy first line, the perfection line, but they got a good second line now. Taylor Hall's playing well. They got Nick Felino, Charlie Coyle. Their third line, I think, is a good third line. Eric Holla, he is a really good player, Eric Holla. I like him. And Craig Smith, another good player, and Jake DeBrusque. You know, it's a good third line if they just Keep it simple. Go about their business. And then their fourth line. Who cares about a fourth line, really? I I enjoy the Bruins team. Are they going to be there at the end of the day, Tim, do you think? In that division, in the Atlantic division, where really there's only four good teams that are going to compete for a playoff spot, where do you see Boston falling right now? Now that the other teams do have some pretty substantial injuries. Yeah, Detroit's got a couple. We'll get to that second. I still think Boston finishes third or fourth in the division. I could see Tampa starting to falter a little bit um, just because of these injuries, but they'll be there in the end. And Detroit, we talked about it. I think they're going to they're gonna fall off. Um, so, yeah, I still see Boston making a playoff spot. Yeah, you mentioned Tampa Bay. Braden Point just has an upper body injury um, out indefinitely, so no one knows what that means. Kucherov's already out. Um, they're already missing Chernak, their big defenseman. Is is this an issue for Tampa Bay, or can they just tread water right now and just you know go five hundred, wait till they get to the playoffs, and then away we go? Or is there some worry in Tampa Bay that you know what this could be the start of something really bad? Because right now we're in third place, we're comfortable, but could you see a world where all of a sudden they don't make the playoffs, or is the Atlantic that bad? that they don't really have anything to worry about. I don't think they have anything to worry about. Um, and Detroit, I like Detroit. Like I, I lost my 401k betting on them last week, but they're a team that I, I can get behind, but Tampa is just going to be, they're seven, one and two in the last 10. And like, yeah, point just went down, but Kucherov was up for that whole time. They, they still win game. They have the best goaltender in the world. They're going to be there. And they, they might, we might lose a couple now um, just because of the point injury and, they're going to be there. And I could see them actually imagine this fourth place and then matching against Toronto or, or Florida in the first round and beating them. Like I, I hope it's Toronto and I hope Tampa beats them in the first round. That would be such like great hockey vengeance. It would be amazing. The more realistic scenario is those two teams finish two, three. I think that's how it's going to end up. Boston will be four. They'll play, play Florida, which will be a great series in Toronto, Tampa Bay. I know it's early. We still have a 75% of the season to be played three quarters. But um, from the looks of it, I think those are two, three right now, and they'll jockey for that position. I think Toronto finishes second, Tampa Bay finishes third, Boston finishes fourth. And that'll be interesting playoffs. Like, that's a good matchup. And can Toronto slay the dragon? That is Tampa Bay. Is yet to be seen. 
because Tampa, you know, you got to beat the champs before you uh, become the champs. All right, a couple quick hits here, Tim. Can the Canucks season get any worse? Oh, uh, it can get worse just because there are worse teams out there, but this is bad. They got blanked by the Hawks in Vancouver on Saturday. Um, Did you see like all the, uh, that Benning and the coach and the owner, like all had like this private meeting to try to figure out what's going on. No, like what happened? they had a meeting last week, and, and uh, Sarah Valley tweeted out that it's like no one's job was on the line at this point. This is a meeting more to talk about how they can fix these issues. But I don't know what they talked about or where they came out with, what their game plan was. But so far, they just keep losing. So it's just it's, it's not a good time for these guys. Fundamentally, they play the game the wrong way. <clears throat> and there's nothing you can do. This isn't Dallas Green's fault. This isn't the, the, the GM Benning's fault. I, I place the blame solely on the players. They should take sole ownership of this. They have a good team on paper. They they need to go out and produce. They've done everything they can. They got they they just haven't been producing. Pedersen has been playing terrible. He's been dropped down to the third line right now. He's Second been playing, power play unit too. Yeah, he's been playing awful. And you expect your best players to play you know, be the best players on the ice and it's not happening. I don't know if I'm Jim Benning, we mentioned it last week. I'd be banging my head against the wall. I'm like, what else do I need to do? You guys, I go out, I sign a premier guy in Connor Garland. I get one of the best offensive defensemen in the game. Oliver Ekman Larson, bring him in. I resign all you guys, Pedersen and Hughes to big deals, which you wanted, like go out there and produce. And it's just not happening. So they play the game the wrong way. There's no heart. There's no passion. They must be eating a lot because they're not hungry whatsoever. And I, I blame it fully on Pedersen, completely and fully on Pedersen. I think he is the heartbeat of that team. When he was playing well two years ago, they were playing really, really well. I think he's selfish. I think he's just in it for himself. And I don't know. That's just my perspective. I don't like Vancouver. I don't like the way they play the game. I don't think they show any passion or heart night in and night out. Yes, they have bursts, but you, you can't win in the NHL if you don't have a consistent effort every single shift. And when you lose to Chicago one nothing, yes, Chicago was playing better and they're going to be a good team. It just shows me a lot. Like it, it really does. So it's, it's a no fix situation. You can't get rid of the players. They're going to get rid of the GM and the coach. That's, that's inevitable. The players are the one thing you can't get rid of at this point. So the writing's on the wall. They need to just, just start all over, scrap it and just see what, see what happens next year. Pedersen held out, John Pedersen held out. And now this is what he this is what he delivers. It's really it's got to be so frustrating for those guys for Benning and his his crew. Well, especially you see in Ottawa, Brady Kachuk's been playing pretty well. So I don't know. Like it's just what are you going to do? I, the comments Pedersen made before the season was just I, I I said it then and I'll, I'll restate it now. It's it's very eye opening when a player makes those comments <laughs> and he's not he he hasn't bought into the team. He's all about himself and the. His words, you know, they spoke volumes. So you get what you get. You know what I mean? And speaking of that, let's talk about the San Jose Sarks. They're getting what they get. You know, they took a risk when they acquired Vander Kane. Everybody knew the rap sheet that he he came with. He had issues in Winnipeg. He had issues in, issues in Atlanta. He had issues in Buffalo. Everybody knew what they were getting when the San Jose Sharks got him. His 21-game suspension is vastly coming to an end. Like, I'm talking one more game. He's slated to play. There's 22nd game, I believe, is this week, at the end of this week. Why is he not skating with the team? 
I've been suspended many times. I got, I think my longest suspension was for seven games. Being suspended doesn't mean you can't come to the rink. Being suspended doesn't mean you can't work out, be around the guys. You just can't, you know, do game day stuff. That's what it means. Like on game day, you just show up right to the press box. That's it. I practice with the team every single day. I got bag skated every single day. You got ready to play once your suspension was over. Has Evander Kane even skated? I heard there's been rumblings where he skated by himself at their practice facility last week. But before that, they asked Bob Bootner a question in October last month. Like the season had already started. He's like, where's Evander Kane? He's like, I have no idea. As far as I'm concerned, he's not on the team. That was last month. This month, they just asked him a question. When is Evander coming back? His exact words were, I don't have any information. You know, there's no, those are decisions that need to be made. Now, that was his quote. If you're a head coach, don't you think you'd be part of that decision? Like this is a this is our best player, arguably him or Thomas Hurdle, maybe uh, Logan Couture is in the in the conversation. But this is the guy that led the team in goals last year, led the team in points, I believe. Why why is there a huge question mark out there? Is it just like who's going to make that decision and when? I don't know. But th- the time has come. His suspension is over. What happens now? Because he's going to start getting paid soon. Because the suspension's over and I, he needs the money. I think we all know that. So he's going to show up. He's going to be knocking at the door first day. Like, hey, let me in, fellas. I, I want to start making some money now. I don't think the Sharks want him there. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens after that 21 games. Because it, there has to be some movement there. The Sharks don't want him there. If you're another NHL team, do you want this guy in your team? I still stand by my prediction of him playing or Eichel playing before Evander Kane. I don't think he plays a game this year unless it's for another team. That's not the San Jose Sharks. What you're following this situation, Tim, you know, kind of the ins and outs what's going on with Evander right now. Give me your, give me your thought process of what needs to happen. Well, as you know, I'm a Sharks insider and I think it's fun. (laughs) I'm the insider of the show. Okay. Sorry. Um, I wonder if COVID has something to do with it. Like, is he even vaccinated? Is he allowed to skate with the other guys? I, I don't know. Um, but I, I start to wonder if they if they are missing him and they will bring him back. And the players are kind of like, you know what? We do need this guy because they're slipping in the standings. They're four and six in the last 10. Their last five games, they were shut out on Friday. They had one goal last week on Thursday. They had they had a good game against Minnesota early in the week with four goals. But the game before that was two goals. The game before that was one goal. So they're not really scoring anymore, and they're going to need their best goal scorer, right, if they're going to have any chance of sneaking into the playoffs. So I wonder if they're starting to realize, okay, you know what, bringing this guy back is going to help us. They had a nice little hot start to the season, but they're settling back into a place where they where we thought they would be, and without their best player, they're going to struggle to score, I think. Yeah, it comes down, down to a case of morals. You know, who's going to do the right thing? I, I like Doug Wilson. I think he's a stand-up guy. He, again, just got inducted into the Hall of Fame. Good for him. I think he'll do the right thing. I don't think he wants Evander around. If he did, Evander would have been skating with the team. He would have been around the guys. He would have been a, a part of the San Jose Sharks. He hasn't been. I don't, I don't see that changing. I see him just being told to stay home, and we'll let you know what's going on. So it'll be interesting if Evander gets a little, you know, loud in the media, the social media, because his career, you know, is going to depend on this. San Jose own, owns his rights for how many more years is he signed in San Jose? I don't know. Let me check real quick. But unless the Sharks trade him or do so, like let him skate with the team, I don't know. He's signed for, gosh, where is he? He's not even on here because he's, uh, oh, three more years at 7 million bucks. So I don't know. 
I don't know, Tim, it, it, it's not a good situation. I hope they don't crack based on their play because he doesn't deserve to play in the NHL at this point. And I don't think he deserves to play for a long time. Um, they need to investigate what happened between him and his former wife, get that situation figured out and put a bow on that. And just, gosh, I wouldn't want him on my team. I don't think the players want him there. I don't think the coach wants him around. Boodner has been a pretty, he, he's a different coach this year. You know, he's threatening to bench guys. He's got Kevin LeBanc playing on the third, fourth line. He's trying to send messages. I think he was too soft on the team a few years ago, even last year. So I don't know. San Jose's a mess right now, but we'll see. We'll, we'll keep an eye on that. We'll keep you guys updated. One last thing, Tim. Congratulations. Thank you. Big win on Friday in the points bet. Finally got uh, off the schneid. Yeah. Got your first win. Now we're going to get a streak going, right? What do you got? What do you got for us today? That's the plan. There are three games tonight, and I'm looking at um, Colorado and Ottawa. So one of the best teams in the league, one of the worst teams, and the and the the odds are like pretty wild. It's like Colorado's minus three forty one, Senators plus two sixty. So this is a this is a game that the Ottawa's very 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 favored to lose, but. The spread is one and a half um, goals, and I like Ottawa to win. Or sorry, uh, Colorado to win by two or three goals. So I'm betting uh, with the spread plus one point five, and it's plus one fifteen to win. So I'm going to take that odds, and I'm taking Ottawa or Colorado with the over. This is your shoe in of the week. Yes, of the day. Of the day. Oh, your daily shoe ins. I love it. I like this bet. I think Colorado is going to work. Ottawa has been struggling. They're coming back from their COVID break, so they're not going to be the same team that they were even a week ago. They're going to be lethargic. They haven't been practicing. It's a good time to go heavy on Colorado right now. I agree. This is the this is the first bet, Tim, where I'm like, yeah, if you're going to throw some money down, I would throw it down. Ottawa's not going to be good. Like when you get a week off, you're struggling. You're going to be sucking wind. It's going to be tough for you to get. Is it in Ottawa or in Colorado? Do you know? Um, it is in Colorado. Oh, even the high altitude. That's even worse. Oof! tell you what, like if that was plus two and a half, I'd still take Colorado. That's how confident I am in your pick, Tim. But yes, very good. Go to points bet. Check them out. Tell them we sent you. No, don't tell them we sent you. Just, just bet. I don't care. All right, everybody. I hope you had a good weekend. I know I did. Tim, did you have a good weekend? We never even touched on that. (laughs) I did. Thanks for asking. Good. And then better late than never. All right, everybody. We'll talk to you guys on Wednesday. Have a good day. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.